This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 733 with Gabrielle Blair. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 733. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Gabrielle Blair is the founder of designmom.com. Started in 2006, it has been named a website of the year by Time Magazine, praised as a top parenting blog by the Wall Street Journal, Parents, and Better Homes and Garden, and it won the Iris Award for Blog of the Year. Gabrielle's first book, Design Mom, How to Live with Kids, became a New York Times bestseller after being published in 2015 by Artisan. Her second book, just released, Ejaculate Responsibly, yes, you heard that correctly, also became an instant New York Times bestseller. Gabrielle is also the founder of Alt Summit, the blockbuster annual conference for online content creators and creative entrepreneurs currently in its 15th year. Wow, it's kind of an impressive resume. As a thought leader for more than 15 years, Gabrielle has written and moderated hundreds of discussions on difficult topics and interviewed some of the most influential people in the world. Her writing is quoted and shared across the globe daily. If you follow her on Twitter, you know why. Gabrielle and her children, six of them, and her husband, Ben Blair, all live in Normandy, France. After six years in Oakland, California, they moved to a small town in Normandy where they're currently renovating a house from the 1600s, which is a really, really fun process to watch on Instagram. I met Gabrielle at a conference 
this fall. And she was there. She was actually co-hosting the event, but she was there talking about her new book, Ejaculate Responsibly. And when someone says that that's their new book title, you can't help but have 1 million questions, right? So I was delighted when she randomly sat down next to me at dinner on the first night of the event and I got to talk to her a little bit. She showed myself and a few other attendees the book. We were all obsessed. The next day she spoke about the book on stage and I could not take notes fast enough. Oh my gosh, every single word out of her mouth was like a new way of looking at ejaculation, at men's reproductive health, at abortion, at women's reproductive health in a totally new way. And so I eventually worked up the nerve to ask Gabrielle if she would become a guest on the show. So that was at the very end of the event. I like crept over to her and was like, hey, would you please? And she said yes. And so here we are today. I'm so, so excited for you to listen to this conversation. So listen in to hear Gabrielle share why she has always integrated controversial content into her parenting blog, Design Mom, and how that led to her writing Ejaculate Responsibly. She then shares her mission to put men at the center of attention and the center of responsibility when it comes to the conversation around unwanted pregnancies, because as it turns out, men are responsible for 100% of unwanted pregnancies, as we dig into to great lengths in this conversation. She also shares how the management of women's fertility should be shifted to the management of men's fertility, since men are fertile for 365 days of the year, and women are only fertile for a mere 36 or so hours per month. We talk about why we have built a 100 plus billion dollar women's birth control industry around the idea that we don't mind if women suffer as long as it makes things easier for men. We dig into the reality that most men are actually quite open to taking responsibility for their ejaculation if we give them the right information. And then we talk about how to talk to your kids about responsible ejaculation. So there's a lot here. You're probably already like dying to dive into all of this. So I will not keep you waiting any longer as probably safe to assume already, but this is an explicit conversation just because of the nature of what we're talking about. Although I am privy to thinking that this is a conversation that should start with children at a very young age. So I will let you decide where you want to listen, how you want to listen, and whether or not you want to put some earbuds in, earbuds in, headphones on for this conversation. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Gabrielle Blair to the Shameless Mom Academy. Gabrielle, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. Sarah, thanks for having me. I could not be happier. And I have to just thank you again, because it is six o'clock your time in France. It's 9am <laughs> my time. And so you were so kind and generous to basically do this during your children's dinner time, <laughs> which I don't know, maybe that's a gift to you. <laughs> <laughs> They're good sports. They get it. I do a lot of these 6pm meetings with the time change. <laughs> I Yes, I bet. So we met, I've been familiar with your work for like Actually, since I attended Alt Summit in March of 2020, which is when I first saw you speak on stage. And then since then, I've seen you do stuff online. But then I went to another Alt event, Alt and the Riveter collaborating in New York this fall. And you were so lovely. We got to spend some time together at one of the dinners. And then I learned about your book Ejaculate Responsibly, a whole, I'm looking at it right now, a whole new way to think about abortion. And So I was very intrigued by the book, obviously very excited about the book. And then you spoke about the book the next day and every single thing you said on stage, like I couldn't type notes into my phone fast enough. (laughs) I was obsessed with everything. So I hunted you down to be like, will you please come on my podcast? (laughs) 
<laughs> so I know everyone's in for a treat around abortion and ejaculation, which isn't like always what we think of as a treat. Yes. <laughs> you would not guess that the word ejaculate would be considered a treat, but right. we'll see what we can do. We'll right. see what we can but do. Here, here we go. So I always ask my guests what they are most excited about right now, kind of sharing the dynamics beyond your bio around your personal and professional life and just what's lighting you up in this moment. Yes. I love the question. For me, I have been online since 2006 and my professional and personal life overlap a lot, but I can tell you that like right now at my house, what I'm excited about is we are working on this renovation of second house on the property, like this older house from the 1400s that was just sort of neglected and hadn't been lived in for decades before we bought the house, maybe a century. I don't know how long. And it has been so fun to work on it. And I catalog the whole thing on Instagram. I like show probably way more details than anyone even cares about, but it's really, really fun. We've been working on repointing the stone walls, which just means like you take out all the old, like loose kind of plaster bits between and like add new lime and sand. Anyway, it's so satisfying. I follow all your Instagram oh, posts. Oh, good. So oh, like good. when you were posting the other day about like new shelves that you like unearthed in the stone. And I was like, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it is so fun. And it's just, it's also old. I mean, every time I'm like, this is like centuries older than America. Like I, you know, than the American country. Like I, I don't, you know, like it's just so fascinating to me. Um, I never get sick of it. I love it all. And we do a lot of we really try and keep the materials and do as much restoration as we can, you know, instead of like tearing down and replacing. So that's been really satisfying. Nice. Oh, so fun. And kind of a mentally freeing project in comparison to some of the intensity of the other work that you do online. For sure. For sure. Just <laughs> sitting and like, you know, digging out a, a, an old mud floor and I've got like a podcast on, for example. And it's just like, I can just like relax versus like me writing an angry essay about guns or whatever it might be that I'm like researching this and finding this. Yeah. Like it's, I, it's a oh. very different feeling. It's important to have like, my favorite thing is doing puzzles. Cause I'm like, it's just, very oh. like controlled and perfect <laughs> like the opposite <laughs> of the rest of my life I love that I love yeah. that yes totally get it. so I want to talk a little bit about the inspiration behind your book so you had for years you've been blogging and writing for design mom which yes. was like very well known and prolific writing and you'd done a lot of press and gotten a lot of acclaim around it. And you were a best-selling author with your book for Design Mom. Mm -hmm. Your next book comes out, Ejaculate <laughs> Responsibly. Like a bit of a departure. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the first book was like how to live with kids. The second book was like how to avoid having kids. Like it's like, it's a very, it's a very different thing. It is very different. It, I mean, I can see like when you're setting them on the shelves together and you see the trajectory of sort of what I've done, like, oh my gosh, they couldn't be more different. And at the same time, if you're actually a reader of Design Mom for all these years, which there's not that many that have stuck around for as, as long as I've been doing this, which is a long time, but I have always you know, put in between the recipes and the craft projects and the holiday stuff and the interior design, the home tours, there was always essays on current events that I was mm. including that this was just like, what's on my mind. And it might be a parenting topic. Like back in the day before there was hashtag me too, there was hashtag yes, all women that was mm. similar and where it was, you know, basically like, yes, all women have had these kinds of sexual harassment interactions with men yeah. at some level. And so, you know, an essay on not just about the hashtag, but like, are you talking about this with your children? And how are you talking about it with your children? I've been talking about police brutality for many, many years, you know, long before the summer of 2020. I've been talking about gun control and just gun issues in America for many, many years. So 
I've never hesitated kind of tackling some meaty stuff that if you go to a blog called Design Mom, you maybe aren't expecting to like read a polemic about, you know, um, right. some kind of current event, something. But for me, it all relates. Like if I'm writing about the intersection of parenting and, and motherhood, which is kind of what my tagline always was and always has been, real life falls under that intersection. Yeah. You know, parenting, yeah. especially as your kids get older, they're on the same social media platforms that I'm on. Mm-hmm. So if I'm seeing headlines on Twitter, so are they. So if I'm not talking about this, where are they getting these discussions? Are they just going to see, you know, I mean, who knows what rabbit hole they're going to fall down on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and how accurate is that information going to be? And are they getting honest perspective? Are they getting, you know, like facts? You got to talk about this stuff and much easier, of course, maybe to like ignore it when your kids are tiny, but as soon as they are on social media, they are seeing what you're seeing in not completely. There's always some stuff that doesn't overlap. You know, they'll be like, they'll be referencing something. I'm like, no, that did not show up on my page at all. <laughs> I, did not, I didn't say anything about that. But um, in general, if there's like, you know, the big news that's been out there right now is this horrible, horrible earthquake in Turkey. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing it on Twitter. I'm seeing it on Instagram. My kids are seeing it on TikTok. They're, they're seeing it. We're all seeing it. Yeah. And they're gonna, there are going to be certain events that everybody is seeing. And whatever their ages are, um, if they're on social media. And so for me, it all falls under parenting. Anything that's going on can fall under parenting. So I always feel like I could write about this stuff. And I did. And it would be off-putting to some people who are just like, no, 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 I'm really just here for the home tours. I'm like, then find another website because I'm a three-dimensional person and I write about a lot of things, you know? So um, not just cute nurseries. (laughs) Right. So some people were certainly like, what is this new book? Where is this coming from? But anyone who'd been like, really engaged with me on Instagram or in Twitter for the last, you know, decade, or even the last five years, especially they knew this was coming, you know, it wasn't a big departure. Yeah. The way you approach topics on, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm grateful that you (laughs) a lot of your stuff from Twitter onto Instagram, because that's where I read it. And the way that I I find myself like sliding through like your 10 slide (laughs) carousels on Instagram. And as I'm like scrolling through, I'm like, everything that you say about a topic, I'm like, oh, that's the thing I wish I thought of. I wanted (laughs) thought of that first, but you already thought of it. And then I'm like, kind of (laughs) mad. So many of your thoughts are just so on point and you take your ability to take a topic that is, I'm kind of putting in quotes controversial because Mm -hmm. like, I don't think abortion's controversial, but so your ability to take a topic and dive into it and see it from a unique perspective where like it shines such a bright light on it and such an astute, witty, and also (laughs) very accurate way that like no one's ever thought of before. It's absolutely brilliant. And I think that's the brilliance behind your book. And I would love to talk a little bit about that because I think that when you were talking about your book at the event where I saw you speaking on it at Alt Summit and Riveter, what was so outstanding to me was everything you said was so true, but I'd never heard (laughs) it before. And I was like, wait, why have we not talked about, like, why has no one said this yet? So for example, (laughs) yeah, like this is so obvious. How did it take us till 2022 to get here? And yes. So like, thank you for doing the Lord's work there. (laughs) In the book, you make this powerful assertion that men are responsible for 100% of all unwanted pregnancies, which is so brilliant and so true and so simple. And yet we always center and vilify women when we're talking about this conversation around unwanted pregnancies. So you can, can you tell us a bit about your mission to put men at the center of attention and the center of responsibility in this conversation? Yeah, you bet. 
I sincerely want the world to see less unwanted pregnancies. I want that very much. I have had six babies. I'm very familiar with pregnancy. Unless you desperately want to be pregnant, I don't wish it on anybody. It is, I found it very painful. I was, would get very, very sick, you know, sucks all my energy. It would just, I found pregnancy really, really difficult. And so I would not wish it on anyone that didn't like, again, desperately, desperately want to be pregnant and know that this is, you know, what they wanted. So the idea that someone has an unwanted pregnancy that they're not expecting, they didn't ask for, they didn't want. I mean, that just is, I would be glad to see the world have far less of that or have none altogether. So half of the world is working on that, meaning women do the work of pregnancy prevention. We've always been expected to do the work of pregnancy prevention. How much better would it be if a hundred percent of the people we're working on pregnancy prevention. And we've just let men just say, oh, you don't need to worry about this. This is a woman's thing where this is a, you know, a woman's body is the one. Yeah. A woman's body gets pregnant. So she's got to like deal with this, but we've been thinking about it all wrong. And the book, I'm sure we'll get into in the conversation, but the book kind of walks through exactly why we're getting it wrong and, or how we've got it wrong. And I just sincerely, like if men will take responsibility for their bodies in the same way that women have taken responsibility for women's bodies, That's just a huge improvement across the board, across the world for everybody. And I certainly wrote from an American perspective, but it's been fascinating. The book has already, the language rights has already have been for translation have been bought for seven countries already. And and they're just keep coming in. This is an issue across the world. It's not just an American issue. Pregnancy prevention across the world is on the shoulders of women and only women. Men just really are not involved with it. And So I want them to be, because again, how much more effective it will be if everybody's working on this problem instead of half the population and the other half totally ignoring it. And in fact, causing problems because they're ignoring it. And I know we'll get more into that, but I really want men to step up. And then I also want men to step up because I mean, it drives me insane that like, not only are women expected to do all the work of pregnancy prevention, but then we're entirely blamed for unwanted pregnancies. A woman cannot cause a pregnancy, no matter how many orgasms she has, no matter how many, like I can have orgasms 20 times a day. I will never cause a pregnancy. A woman's body cannot impregnate an egg. And anyway, so I want men to like understand their role in this. It is like a, just at like a cellular level mm-hmm. so that it will change their actions. And I have seen it happen. I've seen actions change from this book. So I know it can happen. I'm actually very hopeful. Yeah. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood 
understood explains and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Another thing that you pointed out when you were speaking back in New York, you were like, men are 100 or men are fertile hundred percent of the time. And again, I, and then you're like, and women are fertile for like 36 hours a month. And again, I'm like, Oh my God, my mom. So it's so interesting. Like we have this onus on the woman, but men are walking around and you also said like sperm is really dangerous, but we don't treat it as dangerous. (laughs) And so it's fascinating how we can flip this in a new perspective and then really change the shift of responsibility. You identify that men are 50 times more fertile than women and men's fertility is really predictable and Mm -hmm. can impregnate someone every single time they ejaculate. If they're ejaculating into a person, uh, into a female body and women are far less fertile and our fertility is unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So our ovulation is involuntary and ejaculation is not involuntary. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about why the birth control industry is so predominantly and systematically engineered to inconvenience women? <laughs> yes. All of this is very true. I mean, it is just fascinating that even when women are managing our fertility, what we're really managing is men's fertility. We're taking a pill yeah. every single day even though we're only fertile 12 to 24 hours a month, we're taking a pill every single day, or we have an IUD, or we have a shot or an implant or whatever it might be, because men are fertile every single day. Right, right. That we're managing their fertility. But anyway, right. we can talk about that later if you want. So why is this? I have thought long and hard about this. The most concrete thing that I can see, and I sort of, as I picture this in my head is, it is a pretty recent thing. Like it is a very recent thing in the history of the world that we could determine 
who the father of a baby was like without a doubt in up until paternity tests, up until genetic testing, we just couldn't determine it. Like there was no way to just say, yeah, this is it. So what that meant is that at any point a father could say, yeah, no, not mine. She must've slept around. Not my baby. Baby Mm -hmm. could look identical to father. Doesn't matter. Father can say, nope, not mine. Walk away at any time. Say, nope, not my baby. So truly they could walk away. And we know that many did. Luckily, lots of men are good men and did not and did their, you know, raise their children. And that's great. But plenty and plenty still do just walk away from this. They say, it's not mine. I'm not dealing with it. And they walk away. And again, we had no way to actually prove who the father was until pretty recently. So that means the only way we could, you know, prove parenting is through this pregnant body, through this, you know, seeing, yep, the baby came out of this person. Okay. This person is the mother. Like that was, this person's responsible for this baby. We just really had no other way to see it. And so I just think, obviously we, we come to associate pregnancy with mothers, with women. And that makes sense, of course, but we don't associate it with men, with fathers, and we need to. And that's the shift I'm trying to make. Like, I want men to really understand that when they have sex, it can cause a pregnancy. And I know that like at some level, they understand that like for sure, you know, like they learned it in fifth grade at the maturation clinic, like the rest of us or whatever, or or (laughs) learning from their parents or whatever that, okay, you have to come together and you have sex and it makes a baby. But, um, but I don't think when men are having sex, they haven't been trained to think of it in the same way that women do. Like women have sex and have to think through what if I get pregnant? Mm -hmm. What will I keep the baby? Will I have an abortion? Can I afford to keep the baby? Do I live in a state that provides abortion? Like they have, we have to run through this checklist every time we have sex. Right. And, and then, men, and then you're waiting after the fact too, by the way, for like, right. It's a two week checklist, right? <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Two like weeks it's a, after the fact, you're like, did it happen? Did oh, it crap. happen? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to take a test? Did I get my period? Like what's happening? Like, this is just like, this is part of our sex life. And men do not experience that. They just don't experience that. And we need to teach them to experience that. We need to teach them like every time you have sex, you need to think, did I cause a pregnancy? Mm-hmm. I need to check back for two and weeks. And worry did about it for two weeks. Yeah. Did I call the pregnancy? You know, like, like that needs to be part of it. And it needs to be such a part of it and such a fear for you, such a concern that you would never ejaculate irresponsibly, that you would go like, I'm going to do everything I can to not cause a pregnancy. Right. Right. Which is Absolutely. not a big ask. It, let, let's be honest. Yeah. Like that's not, a big, it means like, just keep your sperm away from the egg. That's it. Like you can have right. as much sex as you want. You just need to keep your sperm away from the egg. And you have lots of options to do that. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> your 10th argument. So the book lays out 28 arguments, which are all brilliant. And the one's so brilliant. It's like, they're each like one like phrase. It's not even like a mold you know, 27 paragraphs for each argument. There's like one phrase that just like flips everything upside down. And then you have like the supporting evidence for the phrase, but every phrase you're just like, Oh my God, she's so right. <laughs> so the 10th argument in the book is that we don't mind if women suffer as long as it makes things easier for men. And you said this from the stage. And I, again, was like frantically taking notes in my phone. <laughs> I was like, so true. Like, and you gave such great examples of like women going on birth control and like all the different things, like you try different pills and like, this one gives you a headache and that one makes you nauseous. And this one makes you like emotionally just like very strange. And, but you're like, but I got to figure it out. I got to find the right one. Or maybe instead I'll try this other met. Like, it's just always this thing that you're like navigating, like you're willing to accept discomfort with it. Cause that's just like what everyone does. It's just societally very acceptable that women are going to have discomfort around this. And men are totally cool with that. Like, and <laughs> 
their methods of birth control for men are literally provide no discomfort, but we're totally fine with women being uncomfortable all the time. All the time. Talk a little bit about this piece of it. I mean, this is the most unsatisfying answer, but it's like, yeah, we live in a patriarchy. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think women and men, you know, have are navigating this ocean of patriarchy. And one of the things is this assumption that a lot of the existence of a woman is just being uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, cramps are just bad. There's, we're not really going to research them. Nothing we're going to do about it. And, oh yeah. An IUD, here's this thing. We don't really offer any kind of pain control as you're um, inserting this thing into your uterus. Like, it's just insane what we do anyway. Like, and there's just this assumption. Oh yeah. Childbirth hurts. Tough luck. You know, it's hard to be pregnant. Yeah. Oh, well, it's just really rough to be a woman. Like there's just this assumption. And I grew up with it. I make the same assumptions. Men make the same assumptions. It's not like I'm mad at men for saying, oh yeah, I guess it's just tough to be a woman. Women do the same thing. We were all Mm -hmm. raised in this ocean of patriarchy. And so trying to like, you know, like once you like even get a glimpse, you know, lift your head out of the ocean for a second, you're like, what the crap? Like this is like (laughs) what in the world, but not everyone gets there. And you read something like this book and all of a sudden you're like, why was I doing the work? Yes. Pregnancy prevention for how many years and just assuming I would do it. And I never asked for help and I never asked for assistance. And it's not, I mean, this is true in a married couple, but it's also true in just girlfriend, boyfriend. How often does the boyfriend pay for half the birth control that the the girlfriend's on? I mean, virtually zero times. I've since the book has come out, I've had people email and say, I asked my boyfriend, you know, Mm -hmm. my long-term partner for 50% of the costs. And he did because he'd read the book, but like it just never even occurred to her before that. Right. Right. And it's the same thing. Like I get a new email every day or a DM or something from someone saying, I read the book and I asked my husband to get a vasectomy. I had just never dared before. Like that seemed like too much to ask. Oh, I can't ask him. That's such a big thing. He's going to have to do what it's so easy compared to what women are dealing with. Right. You know, besides the risk of a pregnancy, which is like, you know, unfathomably more difficult than a vasectomy. Okay. So there's that, but even just like having to deal with birth control month after month after month, right. Compared to a 20 minute procedure that is the healing is very easy. And I don't have a penis. I haven't had a vasectomy, so I can't really say this. I'm basing this on all the men I interviewed for the book but <laughs> like, and relative to like recovering from childbirth six times in your nothing. life. Nothing. I mean, nothing like they, they put some frozen peas on there, you know, right. crotch for a couple of days. Like right. it's just not anything. And the men that have gone through it will attest to this. They're like, this isn't me just making fun. They're like, no right. guys, it's easy. It's not a big right. deal. But that all these women just wouldn't even, and this is their husband who loves them and they love their husband, like, and they wouldn't dare even bring this up because, oh, that's just too hard. I can't ask, again, ask a man to do that. Like what? Like so many women feel this. So this book, they read it, they get the courage to do it. They have their husband read it. The husband's like, I'm making an appointment tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do believe, and I want to say this here. I think men are good men. Like, I think there's some jerks out there, but I'm married to a man that I adore. Like I, I, I have sons, I have brothers, I have all these men in my life that I know are good men. And I really don't get pushback from men about this if they read the book. If yeah. they actually read the book, if they just read the cover, they just read one. If they like, for example, on Instagram, if they just see like one of the arguments get posted, they will go and they will argue. And it's very clear. They haven't read it. They're taking it out of context. They don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's actually read the book, man or woman, non-binary trans, whoever they are, if they read the book, I really don't get pushback because what yeah. are they going to say? 
men should ejaculate irresponsibly. Like what's the argument they're going to make? Just run yeah, around no, impregnating men, everyone. Yeah. Men shouldn't ever use birth control. Men should like women definitely should do a more dangerous procedure with a tubal ligation than the easier procedure for a vasectomy. Right. Like they're, what are you going to argue with? There's not a lot there. I'm just stating like, here's some facts, right? Anyway, so the men that read it, they're on board. I don't get pushback. They make the vasectomy appointment or other times I can, you know, have a conversation with them and you can see them kind of going through their sexual history, thinking back and going, did I ejaculate irresponsibly? Did I cause a pregnancy that I didn't know about? You know, have I ever done that? And you can see them like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. If they have, that they are committed moving forward in their sexual experiences, they are going to ejaculate responsibly. They get it. So that's great. I mean, that's what I want. I that's what I want from the book. I mean, that's, I want people to be affected that way to go. I get it. I, as a man, I can cause a pregnancy. I need to be so careful with my sperm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, because I don't want to make another human being, but also because it's very risky for my partner, mm-hmm. just, you know, not, not just possible person that might exist in the future somewhere, my actual partner that I'm with right now, it is dangerous for her. Right. If I am not careful with my sperm. Absolutely. It's interesting. I think you make a, such a great point that like when we step back and listen and like kind of analyze it, it's really clear and obvious, but when you're like in a system that you've just been in for so long, you just kind of yeah. blindly follow roles and norms and status quo. And then you like check yourself and you're like, wait, what am I doing? What are we doing? Like what? And, and I think that's where so much of this is so illuminating because you have the sudden realization of like, Oh, I was just so in it that I didn't push pause to consider things in a different way. I believe you were talking, I believe you were talking about, um, when you were talking in New York about a trial that they did for men's birth control that they, okay. Can you talk about that? It's trying to make sure that was you go ahead. Yeah. It's in the book. And now I'm like, I'm blanking out if it's like, a note at the end of a chapter, if it's in the chapter, I cannot remember. But basically what happened was they were developing a birth control pill for men and it was very effective and the trial was going pretty well, but then they stopped the trial because uh, one of the men experienced depression, which is very serious. I have someone that deals with depression, so I understand how serious that is. And someone else was suicidal, also very serious. And if you've ever had depression, you've probably also been suicidal. So it's, I get it. So they stopped the trial. But think about that for a minute. Do you know how many women experience depression or Mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts because of their birth control? Yeah. Like the side effects, the list of side effects for the men's trial was maybe a third as long as the actual list of side effects for birth control that is prescribed to millions of women daily, sometimes starting from like age 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And we're expected to be on this for decades, literally decades. And it has a much longer list of side effects than this men's trial that was canceled. And it's that same thing. We don't mind if women suffer as long as it makes things easier for men. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the same principle there. We cannot risk these men having some depression. We're totally fine to risk millions and millions of women dealing with this. And, and it's not just depression. It's all sorts of issues. I mean, like the risk for blood clots and I mean, anyway, much more serious issues than even just like I'm having some depression are part of the side effects of right. all hormonal birth control. Oh yeah. Yes. And like mood wanna, instability comes with. Right. <laughs> and I want to be really clear. 
I am very pro birth control. Please do not take birth control away. Please do not try and legislate right. it away. If anyone's listening, I am pro. I was so grateful for it. I got to choose when I have my babies. Here I have six babies. It would seem like I don't know anything about birth control, <laughs> but I've used every form available. I was always so grateful for them that I got to choose when I could have my babies. And I did. And it always works for me. I would have to try new ones because I'd never liked the side effects. I never did find like the perfect fit, but they worked. Meaning like yeah. I didn't get pregnant if I was using birth control. So mm-hmm. I was not impregnated if I used birth control. So that was great. I want to be so clear. And I try to make it clear in the book too. I am not anti-birth control. I'm not asking women to stop using birth control. Please take responsibility for your body, which I know women do like, you know, be careful with your body. So right, if that right. means birth control for you, then I, I fully support that. Absolutely. Yeah. I had so much fun reviewing the pop quiz for men in the book. <laughs> so I just want to invite people because I feel like, you know, most of my audience is women for sure. Sure, sure. sure. So people are going to, for the few shameless dads out there listening, thank you for being <laughs> here. But I want to invite moms who read the book to share the book with their partners and walk through the pop quiz for men, because it's a really eye-opening quiz. I'm going to let you talk about it. Tell us a little bit about the pop quiz. Yes. So it's on page 82 of the book. If you ever pick it up, I call it pop quiz for men. It's a little bit, I mean, I'm being a little bit silly there. I don't expect anyone to actually take the quiz and mark the box there, but there's 20 questions that are hopefully helping men think about what women might experience in this relationship. So a couple of questions before sex, have you ever avoided bringing up condoms or birth control and waited for your partner to say something? Have you ever hinted to your partner or outright told her that sex feels better without a condom? Have you ever assumed your partner will have condoms or will otherwise be taking care of birth control? And it goes on. There's 20 questions. The reality is if you gave this quiz to women and positioned it has, you know, has this ever happened to you? Right. Women would be nodding along. Yes. Yes. To Mm -hmm. pretty much every question. Right. Like these are Uh, all concerns that I carry every single time. (laughs) Yeah. And that, oh yeah, I've had sex with men and they did not even bring it. Like if I don't bring up birth control, it doesn't get brought up. Like that's a typical experience for women that if I don't say, Hey, let's use a condom. He's going to assume I'm on the pill. He's not going to ask because he doesn't want to have to use a condom because we have weird myths about condoms. That's its own thing. (laughs) But, um, so he's not going to bring it up, hoping that I don't bring it up. And just assume that, well, she must be taking care of birth control. She must be taking care of pregnancy prevention because she didn't bring up a condom anyway. And I wanted men to understand like how much pressure women feel to not bring it up, to not talk about it. That is such a part of our culture that like I use the example. I mean, I knew very little about sex, like as a teenager, I just was like, as you know, naive as you could be. Right. But I still knew men don't like condoms. Like I had no sexual experience myself, but it was such a part of culture. I'd learned it from, I don't know, movies or books or who knows what, that I knew this cultural belief that men don't like condoms and that we somehow like, it was somehow emasculating to ask a man to use a condom, or it was like triumph if a man could have sex without a condom. Like the whole thing, like, how would I even know that? It's just such a part of our culture. And I don't think men understand how much women know that. And that it's very easy to say, Oh, women just need to demand a condom. But in actual reality, women can be in a very vulnerable place where if they're going, if I suggest this, is he going to hit me, yell at me, put me out on the street? Like, it's not necessarily a safe thing for her to suggest that. And lots of women feel that in these situations where we're like, we think we're with a good guy, but you don't know. I mean, we have a new story of a husband that just killed his 
wife and children, like every day this week, there's mm-hmm. been a new story. And those women married good guys. They thought yeah. they had, you know, right. like there's no list of who's a good guy and who's a bad guy that we can just like, okay, great. I'll avoid the bad ones. Right. Anyway. So I just, this quiz is a little bit silly, but also I, again, want men to understand the pressures women are feeling to not suggest a condom to really not, s- you know, to let the man just not have to think about this. Yeah. It really speaks to like, to the power differential that's like really quiet and insidious. And so that the discomfort to ask, even if you assume that this person is like a safe person and they're not going to harm you, if you ask, it feels like it could like compromise the integrity of the relationship Yes, to ask the question. And yes. which is such a like weird power dynamic that exists between men and women. And yeah. which is so disconcerting. <laughs> But it's it's very real. Right. And I advocate for this throughout the book, but like, why would a woman ever have to mention a condom? Right. Like, does a man have to ever have to, you know, say, Hey, did you go get your birth control? Did you take your birth control? Like, no, like, why would I ever have like, in what world would a man not just automatically wear a condom? Well, I know what world it's the world we live in, but like, where's the scenario where that's justified? Like a man should stock his own condoms. He should bring them with him. If he thinks he's going to have a sexual experience, he, mm-hmm. he should assume he's wearing a condom, right? Like even if he has a vasectomy, even if she's on the pill, condoms are your only option for preventing STIs. Like that's mm-hmm. it. There is no hormonal birth control that prevents STIs. There's not, there's nothing right. that I can take that would prevent that. So just assume you're going to use a condom. Like that's the, like, duh, that should just be so common. I compare it to seatbelts. No one ever asked me if I'm going to wear my seatbelt as I get in the car. Like we never have to tell the kids, put on your seatbelt. Like it's just a known thing. We all wear our seatbelts. Of course, when they were tiny, we had to, but not even they're in their car seat. And then like, it's just like part of life. You wear a seatbelt. That wasn't always true. I do remember being a teenager and they were just starting the seatbelt laws. And it wasn't the case. You had to like, am I wearing a seatbelt? Is it cool? Is it, am I going to get made fun of by my peers? If I wear a seatbelt and you know, that sort of thing, that's no longer true. I need that to be true for responsible ejaculation, that it would just never occur to you to ejaculate irresponsibly, that you're just like, of course I'm going to, of course I don't want to risk a disease. I don't want to risk hurting my partner. I don't want the risk becoming a parent when I don't want to become a parent. Like I'm just going to ejaculate responsibly, duh. Like why it would be the dumbest thing in the world to do anything Mm -hmm. but that. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. 
This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. I want to see a culture where like in college culture and young adult culture, where if a male shows up to a situation and does not have a condom, that it's like that the woman maybe has some, but also you have to buy them from her. Like, yeah. Oh, so there's some penalty. Okay. Well I have oh. some, that's $5, but like yeah. you have one for $5. Like, there's a shop on like one of my dorm mates, you know, two doors down sells them. Great. You can go get yeah, one from like, her. You, know, you, like, you can then mow her five bucks. <laughs> right. Right. Like that's the culture of it. <laughs> like that, like this is your job. This is your yeah. penis. Yeah. Wrap it up. Totally. Like totally. I'm doing what I need to do for my body. You need to do you know, what you need to do for your body. Absolutely. And I had a a vision the other day of like, oh, I want, you know, at the freshman class coming to orientation at whatever college to part of their welcome packet is the book. Yes. Ejaculate responsibly, like, and some condoms in there too. And it's just like, and I do want to say, like, I know we mentioned 28 arguments, which makes it sound like a long book. These arguments are like two pages. It's so fast. (laughs) It's such a fun read also. Like, this is not like, it's so fun. It's funny to say it's like fun and light because it's such a, it's heavy, but it's, (laughs) but you are brilliant at making it fun and light. And it's actually, I mean, this is like two hours. It's like, like it's, it's really not a hard read. And Uh, that was very intentional. Like it was like, how accessible can I make this? I want you to start reading it and realize, oh, this is fun. I can just keep reading. It's easy. Like, yeah, I just, anytime it started sounding academic, I'm like, nope, pull it out, edit it. Like, I just wanted it to be, I wanted teenagers to read it. I want adults to read. I want to just be so Mm -hmm. easy to discuss and share. And like, I read it now I'm handing off to the next person. And Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know. I mean, I'm so hopeful because as I said, no one really pushes back on it. Like yeah. if you have a 20 year old in college or 18 year old or whatever they are, read this, he's going to go, okay, I'm going to ejaculate responsibly. Like, I don't want to risk my partner. Like for all these reasons, I don't want to, 
I can do this. This is not a big ask. Yeah. It's the same when a 40 year old reads it. It's not hard to convince people if they're a decent people and a decent person and people are decent. So I guess what I'm saying is the reason I want this out there is because as you've said, these are these obvious things, but we haven't thought about them. We haven't taught them. Mm. So it's yeah. not like I'm out there like, I'm so mad at men because they're not helping with birth control. I didn't think of this till I already had six kids and my husband had had a vasectomy years before already. Like, how can I be mad? I'm like, it's just, this stuff didn't occur to me till I was like, well into my sexual life. You know what I mean? Right. Like so many years into it. And so it's not like I'm mad at anyone. I'm just trying to say, Hey, here's something you might not have thought of before. And mm-hmm. it clicks for people so fast. Yeah. It's like it's an invitation so to like rethink it versus like a screaming mm-hmm. at the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> like- and then it works. Like they rethink it. They're like, Oh, it also like the subtitle says a new way to think about abortion and a whole new way to think about abortion. And it is, but it also isn't. It's like we put the word abortion. Like I put a word abortion in the subtitle because I really do connect it to abortion, but really we're talking about pregnancy prevention here. Right, right. But the reason I connect it to abortion is if men ejaculate responsibly, there are no unwanted pregnancies, mm-hmm. which means there are no abortion. Right. Well, 99%. Right. There are still right. 1% of abortions that are due to you know, medical issues, you know, the baby has died in utero or whatever, you know, but that's really only 1% of abortions. So 99% of abortions disappear if men choose to ejaculate responsibly. Right. Right. I mean, that's insane. They have that much control. If a man actually cares about abortion, he needs to go out and get out there and advocate for condoms. He needs to get out there and advocate for responsible ejaculation. Absolutely. Instead of yelling at women. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So now that we're like all fired up, I want to talk a little (laughs) bit about taking action, which is where you end the book on how to take action. And I want, I'm hoping you can kind of specifically talk through the lens of parenting, because I think that we've talked through and kind of reframed a lot of ways to think about this in terms of like a committed middle age relationship, which is most (laughs) of my audience. But when we're, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I have a 10 year old. And like, yeah. these are things he's going to yeah. need to know. Like I'll, you know, this book, <laughs> I think, so he goes to Catholic school. I'm like, when do I approach the Catholic school? <laughs> when do I have this out of the health class? Um, I mean, it's a this, progressive Catholic school. So I, like, get I, it, I get it. This, but I mean, in all seriousness, this is also, I'm curious your thoughts around like, how do we talk to our kids about this? And with all of these reframes in mind? Yes. So for sure. When we talk about how to take action, I think of this on like personal level in the home level and in a community level and on, on like a systematic level. So like mm. there's ways to take action on all these, but in your home, there's age appropriate sex at every level. Like and some kids start asking when they're like four, you know, and then other kids don't start asking where do babies come from and that kind of, or they see a pregnant woman and they're curious about that or whatever it might be. And there's age appropriate ways to do that. And there's, you could, I mean, in the book, I mentioned that in the Netherlands, they have age appropriate sex ed at every grade level. And that's amazing. But I just want to point out like that information is out there. If you're like, hey, how do I talk about sex appropriately to a five-year-old? There are yeah. guides out there. Yeah. And, and I'll um, throw out Amy Lang, who is local to Seattle, but has been on the show multiple times, is like a person who does this very, very well at a different age levels. So for people who are just listeners who are looking for like resources, go. go look at those episodes. Yeah. Yes. And some of that too, just if you're doing this at age appropriately and you're doing it consistently at every age, it's just a lot easier to just talk about in general. Yeah. The kids aren't uncomfortable about it. The adults are uncomfortable about it. As <laughs> yes. you know, if you've ever experienced this talking to your kids about it, they don't know to be uncomfortable about why, like you could be telling them about some 
really cool thing. And you are like, they're only uncomfortable if you're uncomfortable, right? right? As they get older and they're like, now they're a teenager and they get that there's this whole other part of sex that's this like, oh, this, you know, like attraction and it's, am I going to get rejected? And is there weirdness there or whatever, you know, like, and I don't know who I'm attracted to and all, then they get embarrassed. But as little kids, they, they don't know to be embarrassed about it. Why would they, you know? It's like, you're telling them like, this is what happens if someone breaks their arm. This is what happens to make a baby. This is like, it's just this thing about your body. So you don't need to be embarrassed about it. And that's great. Like the more you can like talk about it and easily talk about it without like, I'm blushing. I'm like hiding in the corner as an adult. That's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like get yourself there. Once they get older, in the same way I was talking about the beginning that the kids are seeing the headlines you're seeing. Well, they're seeing headlines about sex too. Mm -hmm. They're seeing headlines about rape. They're seeing headlines about sexual assault. They're seeing headlines about, you know, violence against women that are also related to sex. So these are all times you can talk about this stuff without it feeling like I'm giving you a sex talk. You're just talking Mm -hmm. about what's in the news. So as they get older, and again, you don't want to have, they get embarrassed to do like a, let's talk about sex. (laughs) This is just like, no, we're just talking about what's in the news. It doesn't feel the same. So that's Mm -hmm. great. And the other thing is you have to know who your child and kind of what they're comfortable with, but we've read this with the whole family. We've read it as a family with our 12 year old there. She's our youngest. Again, it's fine. Like there's really nothing that's going to make people feel sexy. Do you know what I mean? Like in this book. Cause you're really talking about health. (laughs) Right. And and, and even when I talk about you, like using the word ejaculate, what's like the least sexy way to talk about sex. It's It's like health and biology. Right. (laughs) Right. So talking about poop. (laughs) Right. No one wants to like start feeling like, Hey, I'm reading this thing. I'm getting turned on. And like my family's around, like no one wants that. I promise to all our listeners, you're not going to get turned on reading the book. (laughs) Right. You'll laugh a little, you'll learn some things. You're going to be talking about sex. You're going to be talking about penises and condoms and vaginas, and you're not going to be turned on at all. Like, okay. So, and that again, is intentional, but because of that, you can read it with your family. Yeah. You can read it at book club. It's okay. Like it feels like you can't, but you can, I promise. And so I would say, you know, use the book, talk to them about it. I think when you're thinking about age appropriate sex ed, what we don't have built into our sex ed is the lens of responsible ejaculation. We just don't talk about it that way. So that's something you can start doing as you're like looking at resources and talking about it. You can say, you can give an example of like, oh, we have to be so careful with our sperm because sperm can cause a pregnancy and pregnancy is very dangerous. And anyway, like you can do something so that we haven't ever talked about in sex ed in America and really throughout the world, we'd never do it through this lens of responsible ejaculation, but we can start doing that now. Absolutely. So at a, like in your home level, it's really like, what do my kids know? What kind of resources do I have to be able to talk to them comfortably about sex through the years? And then when they get into teenage versions, feel free to read this book with them. You can certainly hand it over to them, but you can also just read it. And so then it's yeah. like, we can discuss this stuff and you can use current events as the impetus to read this stuff because then it's just not it's again, not embarrassing. And it feels like, Hey, they are in the know. They can make a cool reel about this mm-hmm. or a TikTok or whatever. Cause they have the knowledge. And this book, the arguments of it have gone viral on TikTok many times, like young people get it. Like I promise. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And then I also just want to say on a personal, in your home level, is there anyone in your life who might be ejaculating irresponsibly? This is now an older person, you know, like not mm-hmm. a young child, but do they need this book? Have they thought about this? Is there someone in your life that needs a vasectomy? That, you know, like these are things to think about as far as, you know, is there someone that should read this that is, has a wife that's doing 
or, you know, this is your sister-in-law or this is who knows who it is that is doing all the work of pregnancy prevention and is worn out of it. Mm -hmm. And someone needs to say, Hey, I don't know if you've ever considered that you as a man can do some of this work as well. Hey, cousin (laughs) Tom. (laughs) Right. So to like, just be able to to think about like who this would affect. And I also want to say, if you can get a man in your life to read it, which Plenty of men, that's not a hard thing to do. Again, if they start, they read a couple pages and they're like, what? And there's the other motivating thing is men do want to kind of argue with it. And then they realize they don't want to. I mean, like they'll they'll read an argument. They'll be like, wait a minute. And then they'll, oh yeah, okay. But the nice thing about that is if a man talks to another man about the myths of condoms or about how awesome a vasectomy is, that is so much more effective than if me, middle-aged white lady is like, men, you got to wear condoms. You got to get a vasectomy. They don't want to hear that from me. And I don't have a penis, as I've mentioned. Like, who am I to talk about it? So it's really great if you can get man in your life to read this and then have him spread the news, like spread the good word of responsible ejaculation. That is so effective. That's so terrific. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So Gabrielle, your book immediately went to New York times bestseller list, which is amazing. Huge (laughs) congratulations. Like what a massive achievement. What's next for you? Okay. Oh my gosh. So much. I mean, so much on my mind. So a couple things. One, I am about to do a book tour finally for this book. Like Yay. I didn't do one right at the beginning. There was just like so much happening in my life. So this is delayed, but we're doing a book tour. It's going to be, we're starting in New York and then DC and then Boston and then San Francisco and then Los Angeles. So that's super great. And I'm sure you'll include yes, links. We'll link everything in the show here. notes. So we'll put the book <laughs> tour in the show notes. We'll put the book in the show notes thank so people you, can connect. You. And the book tour, what are the dates of the book tour? The New York is on the first, DC is on the second, Boston's on the seventh, San Francisco on the ninth and LA on the 16th. So this and will I'm, go live yeah. March 1st. So people can immediately just pop over and see where the tour where is going to be based terrific, on where they're at. Terrific, yeah. terrific. And so that's awesome. Gabrielle speak in person in real life is amazing. <laughs> and also, wait, will you be doing photos with the book tour? Because yes, I'll do you photos, always have like the best hair, like <laughs> outfits. You are the most iconically dressed person oh, at any event you. I've been to. So everyone's going to want to get a picture. <laughs> what a compliment. Yeah. So I would love to meet anyone who wants to meet me. I would love to, I love connecting with people. That's terrific. Um, So that's great. And then I'm also looking at like, we're talking about how to talk to your kids about this. Um, I had a call with my publisher just yesterday where I'm like, I'm getting a lot of requests on what do I do for the middle grades, the, you know, eight to 12. And so we're talking about, can we adapt this as some kind of, you know, nonfiction graphic yeah. novel type of thing. That's not the right word. Cause novels, not nonfiction, but anyway, right, right. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. So we're talking about that, I love but then it. alt summit, which is the conference I put on, which yes. you've mentioned, you've been to it's yes. happening in Palm Springs on the Amazing. 12th, 15th. So like right in the middle of the tour, anyway, lots going on that I'm excited about. And if you pop over to Instagram, you can see me like do crazy stuff on a 1400 house. So there's just a lot going on. It's oh my fun. gosh. So we'll link everything up there. I'm going to link Alt Summit. So Alt Summit is yeah. the last event I went to before COVID. It was absolutely <laughs> incredible. I got to speak on how to build a six figure podcast business. It was really, really fun, but like amazing connections there. And it's just such a phenomenal event. So well, we'll link you. everything up in the show notes. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining us from France. Final question. Tell us in one sentence, how are you currently yeah. showing up as a shameless mom? Oh, I should be the shameless mom in education. I have discarded everything people have told us about. You have to live in this neighborhood for this school and all that kind of stuff. And we've built it our own way and I am shameless about it. Love it. 
Thank you so much for being here, Gabrielle. I so appreciate you and the work that you're doing in the world. It's so important. And I'm, and thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Sarah, I love this interview. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.